You're listening to Reflections, a soul music podcast with Jamie and Ash, where we discuss the classic albums with the classic songs. Welcome, Ash, to another <laughs> song music podcast without a name. Although we will find a name, but for now, it will just be that. Is that all good? Indeed. Indeed. That works. Let's make it work. How you doing, my man? You been all right? Yes, not too bad. Adapting to these crazy, surreal times. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, really, actually, we're, we're recording on a, the day after some really sad news uh, that the rapper Ty died last night. Yesterday. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, um, and that's just yeah that that for me that's definitely rocked me because that is that's someone in the UK who had a lot of standing and and was you know paying from everything about what we're talking about. He's a he's a product of the neo soul uh, movement and how that impacted hip hop and then how he came out in the 2000s absolutely um, yeah massive loss massive loss yeah that was sad news when i heard that yesterday and i just remember i met him on a couple of occasions and then it was i felt really bad because since not being not working in music i've forgotten a lot of people and then when i was told about it i for a split second i was like ty ty and i was like ty i was like and it was like wow he was you know it was a big deal for a while and it was a nice when I met him it was nice very friendly guy so yeah it was a definitely a sad loss definitely definitely what about yourself <laughs> I'm good I'm well I'm eager to do this because um this is like fun as opposed <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to what, what is going on in the world at the moment this is actually fun and interesting so yeah Without further ado, oh, maybe you should introduce yourself. All right. So, yeah, so I am Ash Remedy Roy. I am the founder of Music is Remedy, a platform that supports emerging UK hip-hop soul and spoken word artists and all that other kind of goodness. Um, And I also work in music education, trying to get young people started off on their musical parts. Nice. Nice. And I'm... Jamie Cheatham. I used to work in music and now I'm just a fan and a person who likes to talk about um, old music and uh, classic, old classic music of all genres, mainly soul, but yeah, all genres. And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing this. So Ash, today we are talking about an undisputed classic of the neo-soul genre. Um, some people would argue of any genre. It's um, it, it definitely is a seminal piece of work. D'Angelo's Brown Sugar, his first album. For those who don't know it or don't remember, it came out in 1995. So this year is its 25th yeah, anniversary. 25. Yeah, in July. So it came out July 3rd, 1995. So that would have been like, I'd imagine, the US release date. Um, 
you know, us sad folks in the UK, we probably would have got it nearer to Christmas because <laughs> everything was late back in those days. Um, yeah. So came out in 95. The label was Virgin, um, which at the time was part of EMI. Um, for those who are interested in that kind of thing. And um, yeah, um, what really appealed to me at the time um, was um, I was really into producers at the time. And uh, when this came out, it, I, was, it, I was glad to see that um, he produced pretty much all the tracks on the album. He wrote all songs. Um, and along with... Played the instruments. Played the instruments. Played, played all the instruments. I was getting to that. Yeah, played all the instruments pretty much. In fact, looking at the credits, uh, most, of the, most of the tunes um, were like all instruments, D'Angelo, and then guitar, someone else. Or... Yeah. or one of the songs we get to later, cruising, is like, is like obviously there's the orchestra on there, but like for the most part, it's like everything else is him, and it was just like, who is this guy? He's amazing. So, other producers of in the album include uh, Ali Shahid Mohammed from a tribe called Quest, and of course Lucy Pearl. Yeah, a quality album, and maybe we should get to that. And uh, speaking of Lucy Pearl, the other producer on the album, Raphael Sadiq of Tiny 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 Lucy Pearl. Um, he also produced Joss Stone, which I didn't know yeah, that. He's done so much. That guy is just a, an ageless don. Right, right. Because he's been in it for time. For time. time still producing landmark pieces of work. Amazing. Um, so, and the last producer is um, little known Bob Power, um, who is who was, is mainly an engineer, but he has uh, production credits on, uh, obviously, Brown Sugar, but also on a couple of Tribe Called Quest um, albums, and Eric Badu as well, on Baduism, and The Roots, and Michelle N, whose name I can't say, and <laughs> actually say it for me, please, because I can't say this name. I, I don't know how to say it. N N N N oh, man, we're terrible. We're terrible people, terrible human beings. Okay. <laughs> and she had some bangers in the 90s as well, so I should really know, know how to say her name. But yeah, so Bob Power, he's like, he, he, he's really, around that time, he was really, he was an important part of, it seems like a lot of that work, that marrying, especially that marrying of uh, hip-hop stuff and, <laughs> and soul and neo soul stuff. So yeah, really interesting. Mm. So today, Ash, as we're like, and you've got a certain amount of time, we're going to go through the, all the singles that were released, uh, yeah. which were four singles from the album. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll, we'll each choose our favorite album track. Cool. Cool. All good. good. Yeah. Right. So the first release and a lot of people's favorite track on the album was Brown Sugar. And that was released June 13th, 1995, written by, of course, D'Angelo and Shahid Mohammed. And they also are, have the production credits on that as well. So Brown mm. Sugar Ash is the one that started it. Tell me about it. Madness. Have you heard the story about how it was like just a demo idea? Like, no. it just didn't really supposed to happen. No, I missed that like, one. No. He, he was literally mucking about on the piano, just playing around with some chords. Uh, and Al Shahid Mohammed heard it and he thought, oh, what's that? What's that? Let's, let's 
do that and it just evolved from nothing into the lead single off of this incredible piece of work that's mental a movement like it is is mad um like those first organ chords when they come in again yeah is absolutely iconic sound and it's an organ like the sound that defines a lot of this genre the roads yeah and it's not it's not obviously fender roads is all over the album but it's interesting that it's an organ that kind of defines it yeah or starts that track and is Mm. the lead of that track with him Uh, i guess going back to his gospel and his family, his dad was a pastor, so he, you know he's showing that church side. I, I was just about to say that actually, that is like his defi- especially on this album. Um, I haven't listened to Voodoo in a long time, so I can't speak for Voodoo. But especially on this album, like his defining sound, right? His signature is that organ. It's all over the place, and it really just mm. it makes it a D'Angelo song. And obviously, it's the phrases he plays as well. Sorry, I interrupted. Continue. Yeah, no, no, no. Like it, it just. Again, it's interesting that, you know, the the signature sound of that lead single, mm-hmm. which is the title track of the album as well, is the organ and it yep. is like a, a homage to his, or it, and it might not be, but just a homage to his upbringing, where he came from and what he was about. It could have been, it could have been the piano, it could have been the guitar mm. and it's, it's none of that. It's, it's this organ sound. And you, again, you're introduced to that classic quality of him, where he of him singing in his falsetto and just taking it up. And you're just, what is he saying? What, what, what mm. is he saying? I'm not too sure what he's saying, but you know, it works. And you, you know, you warm to the sound and you, you warm to his voice and you you take it in and you enjoy it. And then you find out what the song's really about. And exactly. It yeah. takes you somewhere else. But again, imagine that in 1995 someone who is releasing an album that is against the curve. You're, yeah. you're talking about a time when, like, funnily enough, Babyface and Teddy Riley are the pioneering sounds of black music. And they are looking at bringing a soul sound mm-hmm. out that is far away from everything else, far away from everything that's the face. And you're leading your song with a song about smoking weed, like, yeah. which is just disguised as a song about brown women and loving brown women. He's just he's just hit up so many different markets and so many different people in one fell swoop. Oh, like, mate. It, it's genius. Genius. For years, I didn't know that it was about smoking weed. And when I found out, I can't remember when I found out or who told me. Someone obviously told me, told me because I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I can't work things out like that. But um, when they told me that, I was just like, I had to go back and like, listen to the track. And I was like, and then it opens up a whole new world. We just like, when you put it into that context, you're just like, okay, I see, I see what we're talking about here. So yeah, how yeah. did you get away with that? Like, how, how did you get away? This is a major label release. I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking. Everyone's everyone's as, everyone's as dumb as me, Ashley. And they just didn't get it. <laughs> they just didn't get it <laughs> because, um, yeah, it it really did just go go under the radar. And it's oh man, it's I love this track. Um, and uh, revisiting the album, I just 
I didn't realize at the time how jazz inspired everything is. Um, because I think maybe I analyze music better now. Back then, everything was just soul. It's just soul, 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 soul. And that's it. It's like, I didn't know, it's like, I didn't know whether it could be like jazzy or bluesy. To me, it was just like, everything was just one soul. But listening back now, it's just like, it's so, his, his stuff is so jazzy. And um, I'm not like, the biggest jazz fan but to but the way he brings it across is just that it's so it's so compelling and so listenable that's the thing about it this whole album is just like it's just easy listening but not in a not in a um, um a throwaway way you know what i mean not easy listening like oh i put it in i can just do the dishes or something like that it's easy listening in terms of like it's easy on it's easy on the air it's like good quality music but that but you don't have to you don't have to fight to listen to it you, you don't have to work out anything it's not like it's not up its own ass for, for want of a better mm-hmm. phrase you know what i mean and brown sugar encapsulates that for me it's a it's it's a simple simple catchy tune with great great musicianship in it that's i think that's what appealed to me at the yeah. time um listening to it again i'm used to at that time, that that climate '95 um, R&B was consisted of um, usually like a a full a full a full man group or a full girl group, and um, they had like a main producer, be it Teddy Riley, Babyface, or Devonte Swing, whoever, and that was like it was like it was all one 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 guy using like MIDI sounds. Basically, there might have been a, like a live guitar in a couple of tunes, but mostly it was all sort of like program music. And then this this comes along in '95, and you're just like, "Oh, that's a real guitar," or "That's a is that a double bass I hear?" Or do you get what I mean? Like it's like, whoa! It's like he starts making you listen to listen to listen to it differently. It's like it's yeah. It it and obviously in those days, um, what's that? '95. I was 18. I was still sort of like playing guitar and I was still into that whole sort of like that live band phase of my life. And um, yeah, it was just nice to know that you could actually hear that on Choice FM, you know, cause that's what I was listening to at the time. And it was like, well, I'm playing, I'm doing all this live music at like college or with my friends or whatever. But like what I hear on the radio is all sort of like, program beats and stuff like that. And now I hear all this live instrumentation. It was just like, it was like mind blown, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely was. Definitely, definitely, definitely was. Um, I couldn't find the uh, chart position, the UK chart position, but I found the, uh, I found the US one. And I was shocked that, no, I'm not actually shocked, actually. It only got to, like, number five in the US R&B charts, right? And for as good as it is, um, I would have assumed it was higher. However, considering the climate with that I was just speaking about, that is actually a decent chart position, considering, like, people have to, they have to digest, people who are listening to R&B, they have to digest this new thing, this kind of new thing. Yeah. You're like, you only hear that stuff prior to, prior to D'Angelo coming out, you only heard music like that maybe from a Stevie Wonder back in the day or, or you know, like 
Marvin Gaye or something like that. So I guess it was like coming out of left field. So I guess that's that's a decent showing, like number five, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, you said it uh, when you said the dates, which I didn't know, like, but there's not a big gap between the first single coming out and the album coming out. No. So it's not like people have had a lot of time nope. to one kind of digest his sound and get to know him and, and get to support him. But also there's not been any time to build up a hype around the genre that is led by an artist. Exactly. So <laughs> completely brand new. It's not like a couple of years down the line when Erica Badu drops Baduism and this is the next this is the next album of that genre that you have to check out. So people just flock to it without listening to it, without knowing what it was. Because again, this is a different time where you can't just pick up your phone and listen to whatever you want to listen to. If you are getting an album, you are investing 10 to 15 pounds of your money and being in the UK, you'd have to buy an import version, which mm-hmm. meant it was more like 15 pounds for the whole album. <laughs> are you going to spend that? on something that you don't know. Like, you know, you talk about choice and, you know, it's so important back then to listen to the radio to to find out where things were. The record shop culture was there. It was slightly different um, than what it had been in terms of it leading the way in terms of people finding out music, but it was the DJs. And again, that's it's not club music. It's a different type of night where you're going to go out and you're going to hear something like that which hadn't been really created, I don't think, not to my knowledge anyway. Again, this album births a whole scene. Mm-hmm. So for, for it to even kind of get that recognition of a top five status is is pretty good. But um, I don't know the definite facts, but I'm sure one of the later singles is the one that really catapulted the album into everyone's mindsets and knowledge and took him further you are right this one you are absolutely and it's not, right and to be fair as well if you really compare the song to other songs it's not something that you would say is a hit single it's a grower it's a it's an introductory song it, it sits perfectly in its place in the album to introduce you to this artist and this album and this sound so it's again it's not it doesn't it's not a it's not an ascension. It's not a bam. It's a mm. hit. Yeah, yeah. This is, like you said, this is easy. Mm-hmm. It's something easy for you to digest, get to know, and see if you enjoy it. See if you yeah. can it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a nice. It's a nice introduction. It's like oh, we don't want to. We don't want to hurt them too much. Like so, let's 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 take it easy. Cool. Good. Nice. Any other thoughts on that one, Ashley? Because I'm good. I'm cool to move on to the next one. It's not my go-to. Mm-hmm. So for for me, like as I was just saying, it does what it needs to do. It's it's an yeah. introduction. It gets you into the mode of listening to that album. But if I'm if I'm picking up the album, that's not the song that I'm jumping to. If I'm listening to the album as a whole, then yeah, no problem. Let's press play and let's go. I'm I'm in it. But um yeah, if I just if I just want to hear some D'Angelo, that's not the track I'm running to. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I hear you. Good. All right, moving on. So the second release from the album, and 
I don't know this. I'm looking at this, this date, this release date, and I don't know if that's how it was done back in the day. I can't remember. See, this is how old I am. I'm just like I can't remember certain things. So according to um, this date that I got from, I think I got from the Wikipedia page or I got from All Music website, but it, it records that the second single, which was Cruising, was released mm-hmm. in December 5th, 1995. So that is what six months after yeah. Brown Sugar. Is that how they used to do it back in the day? Because I can't remember. I, I I think six months is a long. That's a, a long, long time. time. That's a long time. So. <laughs> An extremely long time, so that surprises me. Um, yeah. Again, I would say you were normally looking at a month to two months. That's what I was like thinking between singles. Um, back then, to give things a chance to grow, the first single to or the, the initial single to pick up pace, get into people's minds and stuff, and then you hit them with a second one. Mm. And, and again, sometimes you might be three singles in before you get the album. Exactly. So, Exactly. Like. Again, with them releasing the album, they're not releasing singles to build up hype. Yeah, they're building. They're releasing singles to raise awareness about different songs on the album mm-hmm. to get more people to buy the album. So it's almost like it's almost like the label said, "Look, we're just going to drop the album. We think it's a great product, and we're going to put it out there. And as people discover it, they discover it, and we we'll give them." We'll give them adverts, we'll give them the singles as we go along, but we're not going to use the single to build up to a massive first week release. We're just going to use them to to advertise the album, which is kind of what happens now. Yeah, To be I fair, guess, yeah. if anyone is booking a single, it's more to advertise the whole product rather than yeah. three, four singles and then the album. Exactly. We'll have one single and then the album. Uh, and that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, what it says to me is that they their strategy was that he's not a, even though it was like back in the day where singles did sell, he's not a single artist. He's all about selling albums. That's he's he's, mm. he's about albums and then taking them on the road and touring. That's that's what yeah. that's what it seemed like that their strategy was going to be. Anyway, so cruising. Let me tell you, when I was young, I think I was a bit of a dick. I was so <laughs> disappointed, right? I was so disappointed, right, when I got the credits because after Brown Sugar. What um, choice used to play like? They used to play like cuts from the album. I'd heard a bits. I heard bits and pieces, and they, and and you know, like I was so disappointed that he didn't write cruising. I didn't know it was a cover. You see, I was so disappointed because there was a minute. There was a. There was a. There was a. There was a brief minute when it was my favorite. It was a brief minute, and I just. I. I was just so into him being a, a genius. I was just like, no, he didn't write. He didn't write my favorite song. That's like really disappointing. But then I went back and listened to the original and I was like, I don't, I, I don't re- usually think this, but I actually think it's better than Smokey's version. And I'm, I'm a person that hates saying that. I'm always like the original is always better, but I prefer it. I think it's, I think it's a better, he, it's a better, his arrangement is better, I, I think. Or maybe it's for my young, younger ears, it, it, it works for me better than Smokey's version, the original does. Like, he, he adds a, a style and a swag to it. Yeah, it's just he's not Smokey. Like I find Smokey's voice like a, a really acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Not from being from it, I can't can't ever uh, put into dispute his songwriting ability um, and you know the, the the arrangements and and how he put together what he put together. 
but his song, his his like his voice and his sound and his look. I, I don't I don't feel like it. It's it's an all conquering look and sound, you know. And and D'Angelo, what he was able to do with his look and his style and his and his vocal phrasing and and just the way he took it was just to give it this this element of rough with the smooth and this this coolness which just gave it gave it gave it attitude but whilst at the same time it is a song that you just have your top down and you just drive and cruise along to yeah really he really kind of brought those two worlds together amazingly in this song like it's fantastic yeah and i just think yeah i i I can only concur what you said i think he just put the he whereas Smokey's version doesn't make me feel like I'm cruising or make me doesn't make me feel like I want to cruise. Whereas his version, D'Angelo's version is, is, it's got all those elements in it. And like, just to re- reiterate what you said, he was, he was cool as hell. Like watching back for, for this podcast, I was like, let me go back and watch some of these videos and, and see, you know, for, for these releases. And the thing that came up that, that came across to me was just that how cool he was and how chill and just like, unaffected and like people might say well that's so that's like a that's like a product of the time like everyone had that whole cool but it was different from the r&b dudes it wasn't that it's a different type of cool it's like it's not sort of like it's not braggadocious cool it's more like it's more like i'm just here i'm just like i'm just i'm I'm, it's musician cool or 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 like jazz jazz player cool like uh um um who can I, like a Charlie Parker or Miles Davis type cool. It's got, it's got that vibe. That's kind of, it's like to, to a, a muso who, a musician that I was at the time, to me, just like, I'd like to hang with him. He's got that kind of vibe going on, which was refreshing. I would have felt intimidated to kind of roll with him just well, because of that level. He would have put your, he would have put your uh, playing chops to the test. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> Even to just sit with the man and to roll with the man, like gosh, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. He does. He he does have a. Um, he he's got effortless cool, but then he does have a. Does have a vibe like I know I'm good. I know I'm good. I know I'm good at this stuff. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I know what I'm doing. And I, as I was um, researching this stuff, um, that came across. So basically. Um, during the production of Brown Sugar, he was uh, he was constantly at loggerheads with Bob Power because um, obviously it's his first album. So he um, and he's a bit of a genius. So he's like, oh, I'm producing, I'm producing, writing everything. I'm, I'm I also want to engineer it. And the record company's like, uh, well, D, you're good and all, but this is your it's your first album. So like. Bob's gonna be there, just just overseeing stuff, and then and then there was an interview with Bob Power. Bob Power was like, "Well, you know, I wouldn't say we didn't get along, but like our, our way of working was like we had to come to like some kind of compromise and stuff like that." So it definitely, definitely seems that even I can't remember what age he was at the time, but he was definitely like self confident and knew what he wanted and knew the sound he wanted, which definitely comes across on on all the tracks. You know, and again, like you know, he'd he'd spent time. He he didn't write in. He won one talent night at Harlem. That's right. You know, yep. At the Apollo, like so, he 
even though no one knew of him as an artist, people were invested in him and saw what he had to offer. So he had that understanding um, that, yeah, his stuff was good and, and he was quality. Uh, it was him that they came for. They didn't come for the group that it was that he was in. That's right. It was him himself mm-hmm. that kind of was the was the artist. I, I don't really know too much about that time. I just I just know that again, you know, Kadar Massenberg, who I think is credited yeah. with managing him and stuff like he. Yeah, and he was. I, he, I, I don't know if his game. Yeah, I don't know if he managed. I don't know about that, but I definitely know that he executive produced this album. He's the, yeah. the head honcho in the project, and mm. you know he's another big part of the culture. So, you know, again, he had that understanding, and you know he was looking up the prince, mm. and then he's trying to follow in those footsteps, and not in his own way as well, not in the super in-your-face way, yeah, more in the in the because it's more of the if you sat down and interviewed Prince. And if you didn't look at Prince and you yeah. didn't look at his videos, if you just sat down and chat to him, he's a cool, badass motherfucker <laughs> that just knows his shit and you can't test him. Exactly. That. And it, it, it's like it's like D'Angelo had that about him, just didn't go with the super extrovertedness. He just came at the look in his own stunning way, which mm-hmm. was, um, yeah, awesome. Definitely awesome. awesome. For those who are interested, uh, this one charted at well, its highest. Char- its highest point was number ten on the R and B US R and B charts. So that sounds about right to me. If Brown Sugar, was- in theory, that should have been the one that that's the cover, singing songs that people know to, you know, to get them on board with you and to find out about your other stuff. So again, that's. That's another testament to the quality of the rest of his work. That he didn't, he didn't even need that to to sell the album or to to get him the recognition. Like, don't get me wrong, it plays its part, but it wasn't dependent. It didn't rely on it. It was just added to the mix and made it work. Cool. All right. Move on. Happy. Yeah, 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 I'm thinking about the time, man. All right, cool. Let's do it. So, third release, and many people's favorite. Not mine, but many people's. And his biggest hit, Lady Ash. Yeah. Tell me about Lady. How do you feel about Lady? Oh, I should tell you. So, uh, written, obviously, by D'Angelo, but co-written by S- Sadiq, this one. Mm. And obviously, co-produced by Sadiq, too. So, which... I was kind of surprised about, and I'll, I'll just say why I'm surprised about it, because I always felt like the reason why this one was his biggest hit, because it had it had a kind of hip hop feel, and it had more of a feel that was more what's in the charts at that time. So in my mind, I, would have, I, I thought this, was, this would have been a, a Shahid um, production to give it that flavor, but it was just enough, just D'Angelo Sadiq sorted this one out, and it's a banger. It, it, it's definitely the single of the of mm-hmm. the album mm-hmm. um, without question it's mm-hmm. this is the one that really kind of took it into people's mindsets and took him into into the places it took him like you said where R&B and hip hop uh, and rap music where black culture was at that time exactly that it made him relevant 
and and a force in the world that you need to to be to be with and it's a it's, it's a bad boy girl girl is tune mm-hmm. this is my girl mm-hmm. don't come near her i know they're all looking at you but she's mine which is what every girl wants their man to be thinking about them how they want to be treated how well, they don't really want that jealousy too much, but they kind of do. <laughs> like, and and there's just this, you know. I, I I tried learning it. I started learning it, doing a tutorial on it on the piano, and I was shocked that it's just pretty much built around three chords. Yeah, like, this yeah. whole beat of a song, like, is literally just built around that bass line, which again is Sadiq. Yeah. That's all Sadiq. He's a bass mm. guy. That that's what mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. And um, the video, the video really, this is the this is the image in my head. If I'm not looking at the album and the pictures inside the album, it's it's that white screen and him on the keys and other girls and that. And I think Faith in the video, yeah. Erica's in the video. That's and right. And they're just walking along and they're just with him on there. It looks gap cool. It, you know, it, it's, very 95 96 is mm-hmm. of the time so it it just gives it that relevance to push it to to the masses and it, and again you know when you started talking about the uh, when you were talking about the other one you're talking about how uh it's it, it kind of brought jazz into it and brought blues into it like mm-hmm. this album also created hip-hop soul like there's yeah. other yeah other tracks on the album where you can hear that it, it's the songs are built around a real mm-hmm. hip hop beat, mm-hmm. which is then he then just puts his fender on it and he puts his vocals on it and he puts the bass lines on it to give it that soul feel. And it gave, it really gave the roots and common and yeah. all of those words. Absolutely. Of how to, to blend hip hop and soul and create this different branch of mm-hmm. hip hop and, and, and rap music. Um, which which was accessible. Like this album does so much; it mm. is mm. insane. It's seminal, um, definitely seminal. Yeah. Like the different things he set off, madness, absolute madness. Yeah, and I, I mean, and back to the 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 actual tune itself. What I liked about it um, was that it's. It's kind of like, like we say, it's the most accessible tune, but it's, it's still, it's still very musical. You know what I mean? Like it's based around, like you say, the three chords, it's got the bass line, but there's, there's like little elements that it just keeps building, keeps building. And then, you know, he had like a little vocal line, like the, I can tell that look. I love stuff like that. That kills me. I'm just like, just, just new, just when you think, okay, all right, this is going around and around in circles, boom, hits you in another thing something else and you're just like okay i gotta keep listening because at some point there's gonna be something else and there's gonna be an, another riff or a new line or or, or a new instrument and it's just like i love mu- music that is made that way so even the, even if even if it hasn't got like a million different changes or a million different sections and it's got like a just built around a, a set chord progression just add stuff to it. Just keep it, keep it interesting for the listener. And I, I love music that is made in that way. And I'm not surprised. Like I, it's not my favorite, but I'm not surprised that it was the biggest hit. No, it's, it's, it, it is, 
it is like you say, it's so 95, 96. It's, it's so that, but in a, I would say a more creative, a more creative way and a more, a less, oh, I'm doing what those other guys are doing. I'm doing the same thing. It's like, I'm going, he was like, no, I'm going to go my other way. I'm going to, I'm going to do what's in the charts, but I'm going to go my way, do it in my way. And I love that. It's cool. Because it, it, it would have been very easy for him to just like, okay, uh, or the record company to say, okay, we need a big hit. Um, why don't you co-produce this with, I don't know, a babyface or Teddy Riley? And it would have been like off because they were, they were ripping up the charts in them days. So it'd have been so easy. Like, oh, we need, a, we, need a, we need a hit or a single. Like, why don't you sort of like try and do something with this? It's like, nah, nah, nah. I just I just write this song with with a guy that's like minded because him and Sadiq they're they're two peas in a pod really you know what I mean just so it just it just makes so much sense so yeah great song someone behind the scenes really knew what was going on and had a a massive vision for it and I don't think they gave D'Angelo that complete control to him for it to give him just say yeah go on do what you're doing like someone either got really lucky or just had faith in this guy to just go with him and just back him and just say, look, we'll just do whatever he's, he's going to do. And I'll, I'll word it to the, the big heads at the label to say, yeah, this is going to work. And, you know, and fair play to whoever that person was because, yeah, stood the test of time. It's banging. Anyway, we've got to move on to the fourth release of, yeah. of Brown Sugar, which was or is me and those dreaming eyes of mine my yeah. personal favorite what a tune oh my gosh this this tune is this is the tune that i want to play if i'm in his band this is the one i wait for all night <laughs> this, 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 from from the the opening riff the opening riff which which kills it like it's so simple but it just it just kills it to yeah. the, to the bridge the, the the vocal harmonies in the bridge and then the the that bringing back that that opening phrase leading into the chorus and mm-hmm. then the chorus harmonies oh my gosh and then as you know i like guitar the guitar solo yeah it's lovely what can it's I such say, a man? nice solo so simple oh, and man. elegant oh, um it, it's really kind of 60s soul about yeah. it yeah you know like that that yeah what what's the first line what's the line is it just that you're the finest little thing that I ever saw? Yeah. Like when that line comes in and, and you're right, like the vocal layers are no. on it, it just, it just takes you somewhere else. It's just, ah, it's magic. It, it, it's, it's magic. And the, the weird thing about it, right, I, it's a great song, but it's almost, it's almost like it shouldn't have been a single because it, it's, it's, it's almost too musical to be a single. It's almost like they said, oh, we have to release a fourth track. And uh, yeah, this is the best of the album track. So let's just, let's just put this one on there. Because it, it, it didn't fear, it, it, it had the worst chart position out of all the four, which you'd expect it to because it's, it's, not, it's not a single. Not, not to me, not in my mind anyway. Do you know what I mean? But what else would you have released? <laughs> Um, if I had to do a fourth single, uh, my my favorite of the album tracks, which we'll get onto later, I would have released Smooth. Okay, I'd have released Smooth. That, that, I feel like that would have been even. I feel like that would have been less of a single. Do you reckon? Than this one is. Yeah, just because of of the storytelling. Yeah. Okay. The storytelling in this song is that age old 
I want this girl. Mm. I'd love to be with this girl. I'm going to go and talk to her or I'm not going to talk to her. I'm just going to sing about her. You know, it's, it's got that age old story that, that, you know, is relatable it is. and it's, it's easy on the ear. Regardless of the musical levels of it, it's something that you can get into without too much, too much mind for. You don't have to give too much to it to enjoy it. And then if you do spend the extra time investing in it and digging into it, there's just so many gems oh, in there. It's so deep. That, yeah. Like lyrically, did you watch the video? I was going to get to that. The video is the thing that killed me <laughs> when, it, when it originally came out. When it originally came out, killed me. I went back and watched it the other day and it killed me again. Um, basically, it's just, it just, it just details, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically, it's him in a sort of like a club stroke lounge. And he, he's basically, every member of the band is him playing. So he's playing every instrument, which basically he does. He does on the track apart from guitar, basically. So it's, yeah. it's kind of true. And it's just cool as hell. And I think when this tune came out, I hadn't seen a video done like that before. Maybe, I'm not saying it was the first, it probably had been done before, but it's probably the first that I, I had seen it been done. Like, it's been done a thousand times since. I mean, Hey Ya with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Andre 3000. Andre 3000. I mean, again, yeah. when, I, when I watched that, and I and I watched it back, like getting ready for this. Mm. It just it just made me think. Wow, he he kind of just completely looked at this. Exactly. Thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. And it wasn't not on the aspect of I'm playing every instrument, which mm. is part of the reason why I think they did it to yeah. show his his yeah. multi instrumentalism, so to speak, if that's a word. But just <laughs> is each player had its own character. Mm -hmm. And that was what Andre 3000 did even more in Hey Ya. Exactly like he that. brought out the character of each mm -hmm. player. But you can see it. It's slight, it's subtle, but every... Uh, oh, it's definitely there. ...different faces and the different styles yeah. of these different players. You know, it's, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's weird, right? And I couldn't... When I was watching it, I was like, I found myself always drawn to him playing drums <laughs> for some reason the drummer yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was just like because i was like oh he's really playing that because usually usually when you when you watch things like that you're just like oh yeah you can't really play that you're but he's like playing them drums he's the, he's 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 got, he's got the rim shot down he, he's doing the whole thing i'm like you're dope he's just dope and and the tune yeah. is dope and oh it's man i swear and i, and I think that that swag that we were talking about mm -hmm. really carries across, especially oh, in the drummer. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's just, it, I think that defines what we were talking about on the, on the lady song where he, he, again, he was able to take soul music into mm -hmm. this other place and put, put his own kind of style and rough rugged charm mm -hmm. on it. That got everyone on him, you know, the cane roll, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Big deal. He single-handedly brought that back to the masses. Mm. I, I mean, to me, I, like, I know a lot of hip-hop guys did it, but for me, I think he was the one that made it, made it cool again. Apart from yeah. in the 80s, Leroy from Fame. But we won't talk about Leroy from Fame. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, made, he definitely made that cool. And yeah, so that is, that is my, my favourite track from the album. And yeah, it's one of those tracks that I wish I, I, wish I had written. I wish I could say... Man, I wrote that. I'd be so proud. This is, I think it's just perfect. Everything about it's perfect. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I lean, lean back to what you said about, about performing it 
like I'd love to perform that song. I'd oh, love man. to be in a band playing that song on stage. Like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't care what I was doing. <laughs> like, it, you know, again, it's just, and and I would, and I would, you know, the way the the way the instrumental middle eight ends mm-hmm. and goes back into it, like I would just run that again and again. Yeah, and you again. would. Yeah, like that that pre that pre chorus is just. <sighs> Something else. It is, right? Yeah. Just go every time. It's timeless. I don't know how many times I've listened to that song and I never, never, ever get bored of it. Never, ever get bored of that. No. The way that is it. The way that comes in. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Heaven. Yeah. And the and the way it ends, it's just, just like me being with you, you being with me. And the harmonies, oh, that part. And into the, mm. oh man, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. 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 All right. We got to move on because I, I think we eulogize about that all day. As the four singles done, how do you feel about those four singles, Ash? You wouldn't, you wouldn't exchange any of those for any of the other tracks, any of the other album tracks or... Or the order they know that I think that's what I was was alluding to. Like I, I don't think there's anything else you can you can put in there. I, I don't think any of the other. I don't. I don't think this is an album of hits. I don't think this is an album that gives you standout singles. Mm-hmm. So you've got to pick from the songs that kind of tell the story or tell his story the best. You've got the title track. You've got the cover. Mm-hmm. You've got the song that um, alludes to hip hop elements mm-hmm. and brings mm-hmm. that in, um, and you and then you've also got the the beautiful soul song um, mm-hmm. that tells the story of the guy wanting the girl, and I mean, mm-hmm. and even on this as well, I think we, we I, just, I need to go back to it. There was a remix with um, with Redman. Of um, of me and those dreaming eyes of mine. So again, it did great work of mm-hmm. bringing the hip hop collective together yeah, and yeah. moving it, moving him into that audience. So again, the black audience would really be on him. Like Redman was pretty big at that time. He was. I don't think he was quite peak yet, but he was he was in his lane. I think I think it was an Eric Sermon remix. I can't remember. Um, mm. But Red was definitely on the track, and again, that would then lead to a cut on the second album. But we're not going to talk about that today. No, you know, no, like, but um, yeah, like I, I can't think of of there's no other track on the album that I would pick for a single above those. I, I think it does the job. Like, yeah. All four tracks do the job of telling his story and getting you into him to make you go out and buy the album. Okay. Yeah. What's your take? No, I, I agree. The, the, the only thing I would, I, I was still, I'm still not sure that me and the Dream and I, 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 but that's probably why I don't work in the record industry anymore. But I don't think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, it wouldn't have been the fourth release for me. I probably would have replaced it for Smooth. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, and that, that's a nice segue into uh, our favorites or best of the rest or our favorites of the album tracks yeah. um i heard when i used to listen to radio back in the day don't listen to it much now but when i used to listen to choice 
Deja used to just play random cuts from from the album, and I heard mm. smooth smooth on the radio, and I'm just like, oh, that's gonna be a single. That's gonna be a release. It just had that. It just had that sort of like that that danceability, um, that that groove, if you will. And I just like this is this is this sounds real cool. It's like I can I can imagine it sort of like. Um, like listen to it while you're driving if you got a convertible as like people used to sort of like have mm. their convert- convertible golfs in the 90s and they're just like yeah that's the kind of tune i can imagine <laughs> that, that 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 dude's GTI be like, crew yeah the, you know the gti crew right so yeah <laughs> they was that's the kind of tune that they if they're not playing hip-hop or like some like r&b track they'd be they'd be playing that so that's why i mean that's why i love the track but that's why i i I probably would have had that as the fourth single, just just me personally. But but your reasons your reasons are valid, and you probably you probably if we worked together, you probably would have changed my mind and and uh, convinced me that me and those dreaming eyes, me and those dreaming eyes of mine, was a better fourth single. But but I think smooth's great. Uh, it's my favorite of the of the rest, and basically for those reasons that I described, it's got like it's got that groove element. It's got that. It's like I think it's the one track that on the album that is the closest to being sort of like maybe not, it's not a club banger. It's not, but it's a track you can dance to. It's the, it's probably the Mm -hmm. one that you, and yeah, probably for that reason, not that I'm a, I'm a man that loves to dance, but when I used to go out back in the day, that's kind of tune that I wouldn't mind dancing to. So yeah, that's, that's my favorite of, of, of the album tracks. I mean, and it was hard because that motherfucker, is a banger as well. <laughs> I just put smooth just ahead of that one, just 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 for the dancing aspect. What, what mm. are you saying? How do you feel about? Um, I have different choices. Mm. For me, I'm going for. I go for the for the other three that you didn't mention, but yeah. there is a clear favorite. Yeah, yeah. Like last track number ten, higher. Like Lovely. is incredible. Lovely. Like, oh, the gospel on that. Oh man, the love on that song is just next level yeah. musicianship. So what good. a way to end the album! Like, oh yeah, fantastic. You don't think that a song could really follow Lady, but mm. actually that follows it perfectly. Number two, I love All Right. Track two, um, I feel like that is actually a better combination of hip-hop and soul than lady is yeah um, oh yeah that's yeah but you really feel like it's a sampled loop beat that they're just running it over the yeah. bass line is just big and dark mm-hmm. and dirty um but then there's just this really nice message over the top of it you know that gives it that soul and you know his iconic vocal harmony soundings yeah you know, um it's great but yeah, the, the top track for me, yeah, is track eight, When We Get By. I knew you were going like, to say that. Like, because you're, you're, you're a muso, you're a muso, Ash, and it, yeah. It's it's the jazz soul. It's so jazz, right? I knew you were You know, it's, it's slick. It follows on from cruising so well. It's such a nice sunshine song. And I mean, 95, like I'm, I'm like 14, uh, like 15 so I'm not I'm not really as, as much as I grew up with soul music and that I'm not I wasn't invested in the in any of that kind of music at all mm-hmm. um, 
that song was the one that always stood out to me. It was the one right from the start that I just warmed to and just made me want to work with this type of music. It made me want to start picking up my saxophone again and start playing more. Mm -hmm. It made me want to go to college. And as much as I was thinking about being the next Puff Daddy, like also wanting to you know, really immerse myself in the live music and the soul sound, which is, and it, you know, again, in my mind, that song is the reason why I've done everything that I've done. My love for that tune and its feel and its easiness and it's all of its instrumentation, like the piano, the guitar. Um, I think it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the only track with proper horns on it as well. There's a lovely trumpet solo on there. And the way the horns come in on the chorus as well, it's just it's sweet and it's it's sunshine music that um, I don't I don't think you can argue with and I don't think can ever go wrong. And it's not strong enough to be a single. No, it's just a great song. It's a song for the musos. That's it's it. That that's my choice after smooth. In, in fact, I did, I I am the nard. It's like, is it when we get by or is it smooth? It's like, oh, now I've got to put smooth in there because I just want to dance. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, when we get by is is when I went back to and listened to this album. It's the one that after I went through all the ten, it was the one that stuck stuck there. I don't know why it just stuck stuck with me for days. Like I just kept singing it over and over. I was like, gosh, I was like, did I did I actually? like this track that much back in the day or was that am I older and I appreciate it more now it's like but it's a great track it's amazing and it's again it's that along with uh, me and those human eyes it's the one way you'd love to play you'd love to be in that band yeah. playing that track the difference between um, me and those human eyes and when we get by if you're playing me and those human eyes on stage you're just thinking about oh my gosh I'm about to get this in and I'm about to like <laughs> destroy the stage whereas like when we get by it's got more of that oh I'm on stage with my friends we're playing this tune we're having a good time it's a great groove and you just want to play it over and over and just keep going it's the one like mm. if you're having a rehearsal it's the one that you guys jam over constantly for like I know, 20 minutes, half an hour, you just, everyone's like doing a bit of a solo on it. It's just nice. Yeah. It's that track. Honorable mentions, we're not going to go through everything, but it's like, this album is like, like Ashley said, all right, is cool. I even, actually, I've even come round to Jones in My Bones. <laughs> you know, I said that was like my least favorite and I was like, I just didn't, it's the one I, it's the one I never listened to. It was like going back to it. No, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's still my least favorite. Yeah. But, it's not a bad song. It's no, not it's something not. that I need to skip. I don't need to skip it no, at all. No, I don't skip it anymore, no. Definitely not. For those who haven't listened to it, it's a great album and the other tracks are well worth the listen. And again, in, in a time when albums had so much throwaway material on it, yeah, which is part of the reason why the music industry is in the state that it's in, that there was too much albums with, with too much filler, yeah. 18 track albums, and you only really like three songs off the album that, You've got a really concise body of work where every song ticks a different box, takes you on a journey, and is just quality all the way through. It's epic. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's uh, what you say about there being no filler is or will be a recurring theme in all these... um, these series of uh, classic albums that we'll that we'll be, we'll be going through. There's not much filler on any of them. 
they're classics because they're they're tight and they're concise and it's like emphasis was clearly on quality like for every track it's like you know we got to make this the best we could be and um i i like this album way more than i did at the time yeah. way way more why, why you think that? way more now i think i i don't know i think i came i've come to appreciate d'angelo more uh, than I did back then. I mean, I I like the fact that he was a multi-instrumentalist, but I don't think I was as in love with his voice or his style of falsetto. Like, say, say if I had to have, have a choice between his falsetto and, and, and say, Maxwell's falsetto, I, I would gravitate towards Maxwell's because it's just smoother. But yeah, like, like, But over the years, I just... I. I think actually what changed my mind about D'Angelo now now we're talking about it is that when I saw him live <laughs> and out of all the neo neo soul people I've seen live his his concert was still still the best for me. When did you see him live? I saw him uh, uh, after Voodoo came out so that would have been t- t- Voodoo came out what 99 or t- 2000 so 2000, 2000 yeah 2000 Brixton Academy because it, it was always Brixton or Shepherd's Bush mm, such days. a great show. Oh man. Such a great show. I remember waiting and wait that like the wait was like endless for him to come out and it was playing this really weird dubby music and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and it was just it was on. Dude. It was on. It was incredible show. I didn't expect him. Do you know what it is? I think what shocked me about how he how he grew from the D'Angelo from Brown Sugar and the D'Angelo to, to Voodoo, which is when I saw him that period, he was more of a performer. So by the time he got to Voodoo, it was like he, you know, just just matured. And I, he came out and he was just like, he was owning the stage. And everything I'd seen, mm-hmm. seen prior from the Brown Sugar days, he was just like, oh, I'll be behind the organ or just chilling, yeah. like laid back. And he was more, he was more dynamic. It was just crazy. And his, his their, the rendition of Shit That Motherfucker is, is if they had that version on Brown Sugar, then uh, that might that might actually be my favorite because he made it more he made it more like um, soul rock or rock funk or whatever it was. It was just like uh, it was totally different. It's more like a rather than shit damn on the album. It was, it was more shit goddamn mother. Oh, it's, it was I, I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> so I think from that seeing him live, I was just like, you know what? I don't think I've been given him the props that he deserves. So I was like, I think I went back and probably listened to Brown Sugar. As you do, when you've seen a great show, you go back and listen to all the stuff. And I was just like, no, I, I, I obviously missed the beat. Um, yeah, he, yeah. I think from then, I love, I love Brown Sugar now. Uh, it's probably, my, it, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite of his albums, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you listened, have you heard the live album? The live at the jazz cafe. Album. I heard it. I heard it. I would have listened to it back in the day, but I haven't listened to it recently. Yeah, it's just again, it, it, and because that, like, we're we're reminiscing on the voodoo gig. Yeah, but like that gig, he's gigging Brown Sugar. Yeah, and I don't know the energy in the room, and I can just picture what it would have been like to be yeah. in there on uh-huh. that night and. You know, he, he doesn't sound like he's over the top with his performing. Right. Like he, he does still sound like quite within himself. Mm-hmm. And the crowd are still getting to know him and getting to know his character. But yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. 
oh, really? it is awesome. The tracks that they play are awesome, but you know, it's just yeah, you you chose this is this is been recorded in London in the Jazz Cafe, which again is another like seminal place for all of those artists when they were on the come up. Yeah. Before they could hit Brixton or Shepherd's Bush. Exactly. You did Jazz Caf. Mm -hmm. And if you were in Jazz Caf for one of those gigs, like that's that's where the UK, the British fan base came together. Like you came together for those Jazz Cafe gigs where it was tight, where it was small, Mm -hmm. where you could get right up to the stage. And if you were unlucky, you were just rammed at the back. Like... But, I've I've never yeah. seen I've never seen any of those any of those um, greats at Jazz Caf, never. It's always after they've blown and they've been at your Shepherd's Bushes or your or your Brixton. It's like it's really annoying and like some of them just to see them in that small environment just would have been amazing. Just like because yeah. I love Jazz Caf. It's it's like you say it's iconic and it's I like how it's tight and you know what I mean I like how you sort of like your you're right. You can you can reach out and touch touch the artist, which is not that I'd want to, folks. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to, you could. And yeah, so I like it. Like that that sweatbox vibe. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so, but I'm um, fans of the album. Should definitely spend some time on that. Yeah, I will it's do. A good look. I will do. Um, any other thoughts on this, Ash? Um, just to just to to go on what how we started like this album really does start the whole thing off mm-hmm. like we we are coming off the back of an evening where you know like 750,000 people went onto a live stream to watch Jill Scott and Erica Badu talk about all their songs those numbers i thought were mental as i was watching it go and- up i was like what like and the, the different people that were coming into those chats and stuff. Oh man! Like and and again, it's not to say that 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 these guys wouldn't have had their time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I've no doubt that at some point this sound would have come out and would have would have joined us. Mm. Like, but this album is the album that takes on. Because again, acid jazz, which is the only thing that I can think of, like mm-hmm. before this, that that could closely join or kind of join the dots to going from nine, a '90s sound in, back into the soul sound and taking right. it back to the '70s. What are you talking about? Like acid the, jazz was the UK, UK, the UK guys, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, uh, like so. Okay. The, I don't, I don't see how that kind of floated across. Like Jamiroquai went across. Mm-hmm. Um, but like your brand new heavies and your incognitos and, and that they didn't really go across. That was still pretty UK. So like this is the album, this is the artist that took that soul sound and brought it back with a new mm. modern take that mm-hmm. then enabled a whole new scene to be built, a whole new genre of hip hop to be built. Um, and a whole new genre of live music and community, which you know we've been yeah. blessed to be a part of. I think he definitely showed the uh, record companies that that style of music was definitely financially viable, and people had a yearning for it. Um, if if Brown Sugar would have tanked, I don't know. I think the I'm not saying Maxwell wouldn't have come out, Maxwell's album wouldn't have come out, or Erica Badu's album wouldn't have come out. Um, 
in the next two years, whatever. But I'm saying that they might not have been the they might not have been the heavy push. The the, the record companies might have been a bit like more like Agreed. lukewarm on it. They might have, they might have been like, oh yeah, we'll put you out, but you know, market we'll keep marketing budget to a minimum, or you know what I mean. So, I I, I he definitely he definitely showed the industry that yeah yeah people want this stuff, which is which I'm thankful for. <laughs> because yeah. because we've received some great albums because of it so yeah and that um yeah just watching last night it was it, i i just i don't know what i expected maybe i don't know maybe two hundred fifty thousand. when i logged it when i logged on it was like 500 and it was just kept rising i was just like what the hell quincy jones was in there i was just like this is this is mental and it was cool mm. it was cool and and it made me. It made me wish. It made me yearn for a a, a Maxwell versus D'Angelo. <laughs> oh, that's what I want, Ash. <laughs> that's what I want. I want a Maxwell v, v D'Angelo. That's that's what I want. Wow. That's, and that's the only one. That's the only one you, you could do because I don't want to see. I don't want to see a Maxwell versus I don't know Eric Benet. That's like that's like that's not fair. That's not fair in Eric Benet. <laughs> I want, do you know what I mean? Eric Benet's dope, but that's not fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need a Max versus D'Angelo, like two heavyweights, and let's sort it out. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's a very fair point. That's <laughs> a very fair point. I don't, I don't think there's another that comes close. No. To be fair, when no. I think about it. No, they're the, they're, the, they're the two dudes. Anyway, we're digressing, Ash. That's another... We are, massively. That's another. Yeah. Anyway, for sure. folks... Brown sugar, go and listen to it if you haven't. And I'm, I guarantee, I'm guarantee you will think it as dope as we do. Yeah, and um, yeah, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about the album. Like, yeah, yeah drop us a line. Be great to to get your take on it, whether we're just talking rubbish or not. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it was good. And this will be, uh, this will be a series. We'll, we'll be doing. All the albums? Well, no, I don't know about all the albums, but we're definitely going to do... I, I don't think we can do all the albums, but we want to make sure we pick out the all, iconic ones. All the and seminal I, and the ones. the iconic artists. All the seminal ones, yeah. Of the time. But I, I think what, what is clear is that um, if it wasn't apparent before, it's even more apparent now that the neo-soul movement was a big deal. It wasn't some niche... What's the words I'm looking for? niche soulful hippie loving beads afros type thing it was it was so much more than that it gave birth to so much amazing creativity musicianship and songs the songs the songs the words songs. and the stories like are are just as strong as anything that we got from that that initial motown 60s era um to to everything that went on in the seventies with Marvin Gaye and Earth Wind and mm-hmm. Fire and mm-hmm. uh, Mini Rippin and all of that, mm-hmm. and the, and then moving into the eighties with Anita Baker and Luther Vandross and and that they took they created a sound they created a movement which has influenced so so many people um, and yeah should be documenting it and we will document it absolutely absolutely so. Um yeah Ash thank you Jay for your time thank you there were some good thoughts um I'm still not sure about me and those dreaming eyes as a single though sorry sorry dude I, I, I can't I'm, I'm not having no no 
smooth as that, that's that's fine because that's what it's history <laughs> I know. It's done and, I, and, I, and i lost i lost a battle and like i said that's why i'm not i don't work in record companies anymore because obviously i don't know jack anyway what do you mean I, you don't know jack like the single didn't do well it didn't <laughs> like, it really there's, didn't. there's weight behind your argument like it, it didn't, didn't do didn't. well i don't think smooth would have fared any better like you said not really a, not really an album of singles so yeah doesn't matter Anyway, dude, thank you very much. And, awesome. And I'll see you at the next one. Cool. Indeed.